Welcome to Vibrant Raw Living. I'm your host, Victoria Madian. Join me on a journey of discovering your infinite potential. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today I'm going to be discussing toxic positivity. And what comes to mind is a lot of people may think toxic and positivity in the same phrase. How does that make sense? Now, we live in a culture where we're all about manifesting positive things into our life. A lot of this we saw in the documentary The Secret and, you know, putting things out into the universe will come back to you. And a lot of the times people are going through really tough things in their life and people do say fake it until you make it. And that absolutely has a purpose. But when you're dealing with real pain, it's important to be able to process that and have people in your life that are going to be able to honor that and process it with you rather than give sort of a blanket statement of, oh, just cheer up or just let it go or just think positively about it or see the blessing in it. All of these things are really important to, I feel like, eventually get to as the final steps of really solidifying a positive outlook on life. But toxic positivity can be a buffer against really dealing with the deeper issues, not only within our own lives, but with our friends, with our family, with people that we have close relationships with and want to be supportive and may need our support from time to time. So it's important to be aware if what you're giving off either through social media or in real life is coming across as toxic, possibly too simplistic, and it might be okay to take it a little bit deeper and think it through, be there for the person who needs you, offer a few more solutions, even just a listening ear a little bit more. So getting into what toxic positivity is, toxic positivity really is an idea that encourages ignoring negative emotions, whereas true positivity is not about avoiding, glossing over, or repressing emotions, positive or negative. A positive mindset is really about accepting all emotions and doing whatever possible to work through them, understand them, and garner more self-awareness. Unfortunately, toxic positivity can really have the opposite effect. You know, I think we do see this a lot on social media of different influencers doing their best to have inspirational accounts and this type of thing. And I think that's all wonderful. I think it's so nice to be inspired by other people's Um, overcoming adversity and hear the resilience that they've been through and everything, that is amazing. And I think it's important to share that. It's also really important to take into account that everybody's experiences with negative emotions are really personal and really different and not everybody's going to deal with things the same way. So I may even be guilty of it myself on this podcast of sometimes as much as I try to dive deep into different subjects and offer as many potential solutions as possible, I may end up glossing over something that may need a little bit more depth to it. However, I do my best and I feel like I do the best job I possibly can, so I'm not going to be too hard on myself in regards to that. When it comes back to the whole projection of putting a positive outlook out there, if you're dealing with a breakup, if you're dealing with the loss of a family member, if you're dealing with you know, really heavy life circumstances and you still feel pressured to you know, put on a little smile or act like everything's okay, that can actually be 
it can be a couple different things. It can come across as a little bit negligent or it can be, okay, I'm just trying to be happy. I just want to put this image of myself out there, you know, receive some positive feedback from people, maybe about other aspects like, you know, some people might be seeking to gain compliments about their appearance or their outlook or whatever, just as a way to kind of boost themselves up, which is is fine, I think. But it's really important to get to the underlying root of the issue and address that and not gloss over it and not fool yourself into thinking that just a positive outlook, if you're just a little bit more positive, that everything will be okay. I mean, This is coming from a person where I do wake up every morning and tell myself today is going to be the best day of my life. I tell myself that and I think it's important to have a positive outlook going into the world and being like, you know what, I say that within the context of this is the best version of myself that I've learned from all these different experiences in my life and I'm going to do the best with today that I possibly can and that is my outlook and this is going to be the best day yet because I'm using all the wisdom, I'm using all those experiences in my life, I'm acting from a place of resilience through whatever pain that I've been through and I'm going to make today the best that I can. Does it mean that I can't potentially get in a car accident or um, have an argument with somebody or this, that, and the other? No, it doesn't mean that it's going to be flawless as far as a day is concerned. It doesn't mean that bad things may not come up, but I'm going to do my best to make the best out of it. And I think a lot of people, they aspire to have that type of a mindset and it is like a muscle that you work out. It takes time to build that and to garner that type of outlook. But I'm coming from a place where personally I've worked through a lot of emotional pain. I've worked through a lot of like cutting of soul ties of just like having these like coming to Jesus moments where you got to let things go, be honest with yourself and face a lot of it. And I've also done a lot of work in different forms of therapy personally that have helped me expand and approach these different issues with a lot of clarity and a lot of, you know, constructivity in the sense that I really want to get to the root of whatever I'm dealing with and rip it out, plant something else there and move forward. You know, I don't want to be necessarily dancing around it too much. I really want to um, be healing from the things that I've been through rather than just acting like everything's okay, even when it really isn't. I think it's important and it's been really useful for me to have people in my life that are a little bit older than me in age Um, As close friends of mine, I think a lot of my friends that I've kept in my circles over the years, even from the time I was a very young child, I always liked being around people that were like 10 to 15, 20, 30, 40 years older than me. I did have peers, you know, as friends, but I really did like having people in my life that had more wisdom, more life experience, more perspective on things, and a bit more maturity, and to give me a different perspective on life and give me some knowledge about things that I can use as insight as I go into different stages of my life personally. That's continued into my life and 
as I have matured. And I think that that's important to have people around you that have that life experience where it's like they've lived a lot of life. They may have had miscarriages and, you know, gone through divorces and gone through losing their parents and losing large sums of money or whatever you can think of. You know, life has different challenges that it throws at everybody. But I think it's important to surround yourself with people that actually have been through difficult times and have done the best to work through them that don't blame other people for their wrongdoings that can come to a place of forgiveness that really deal with the issue not just be like well everything's fine and I'm just gonna do me and you know kind of in the back of their mind having this like resentment about certain things in their life that can pop up in different compulsive ways whether it can turn into different forms of self-sabotage or harm or addictive behaviors, it can show up in a variety of ways. And so I really feel like it's important to address all these things mentally on a personal level and in our interpersonal relationships as well. Because when you don't, it can pop up in different ways. And I think if you're projecting that onto other people, it can actually trigger them into going down paths that are not supportive for their mental health and well-being. And you don't have control over somebody else's actions and what they're going to do, but I think we can all be a little bit more mindful about the content that we put out there, the images, the you know, whatever it is, it can be a little bit more mindful. We can always be growing in that respect. The thing about toxic positivity is that it can overlook a lot of the severity of some situations. So if you have a friend that's going through a really difficult time in their life, it's very different if you have like a failed recipe that you made and you're frustrated about it or you did a bad job on a test or a homework assignment or something along those lines or something related to work. And saying, okay, just cheer up, you know, it's going to be a new day, you can try it again, versus when someone's diagnosed with a chronic illness like cancer or has lost a loved one or is going through, you know, serious family issues, yes, like, remain positive that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but we have to be there for those people in our life to the best of our ability and be able to be a shoulder to cry on, to be the support that they need and not cover it up with these blanket statements of just being like, oh, go hug a tree and look at some flowers and appreciate the world around you. Yes, those are all wonderful things to do, but that really doesn't allow the person to vent their pain to just be heard and understood. It's kind of, um, I don't know, <laughs> it, it comes across as a very simple solution to a more complex problem. I personally have grown up with people in my life very close to me that have come across this way. And to an extent, I feel like it stunted my ability to verbally express certain things. However, I'm definitely comfortable doing that now. And I'm really grateful that I did have training in dance, which allowed me to physically express a wide range of emotions through performance which really helped me eventually put two and two together that, you know, knowing that it's far more liberating to express and work through what's going on rather than bottle it all up because dance is just such a liberating thing to do. And as a dancer growing up, I was in pain most of my life. It just is something that kind of goes with the craft. And I was usually sore and bruised in some respect or healing from a minor injury and, you know, even still training on it. And that takes a lot of positivity to get through that as well. Sometimes you leave the studio crying. Sometimes you leave the rehearsal space feeling super frustrated. But you know that you have to, um, you know, even when you're competing on stage, you might not even feel like when you're performing that you're even happy 
you could just be feeling all these different emotions before you go on stage. But when you go on stage, you got to turn it on. You got to smile. You have to perform. You have to give entertainment to the audience and show them what you've been working on. You know what I mean? That can sometimes feel very forced. Is that toxic? That's questionable. Does it reinstill these ideals that, okay, you just got to keep on smiling. The show must go on. Sure. I can agree with, yes, the show must go on. You have to keep moving in life. But I think it's also important to take time to heal from different things in your life and not just cover it up and act like everything's okay. Because when your life becomes that acting of a performance of just putting the smile on the whole time, you know, that's not always the best situation. Because again, I feel like that can manifest into different things, whether it be even like drug problems or, you know, a whole host of different things where it's like you end up not being able to fully enjoy what you're doing because you're just faking it all the time. You know, and I think yoga really was something that came in to my life during a time where I really needed it. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I just turned 19 when I started practicing yoga. I was going through change. I was in my first year of college and I was really seeking something as an outlet. And when I began practicing, I was very competitive with myself and even sometimes with people that were practicing around me. And I would be like, okay, like they're doing this correction. I want to imply that too. You know, keeping all these things in perspective, I had to shift my mindset that, that no, this is not a competitive practice with anybody around me. This isn't even a competition with myself. It's a competition between pushing myself to the maximum that I possibly can do for today with the ability that I have for today. And it's not for anybody else but me. This is time to work on myself and to grow. And there are going to be difficult classes. There are going to be times where it's not easy to get through it. And a positive attitude can absolutely get help you get through those times. You know, the type of yoga that I practice is Hatha yoga, which literally means union through discipline of force. It's a school of yoga that really stresses mastery of the body as a way of attaining a state of spiritual perfection by which the mind is withdrawn from external objects. So you're really honing in, you're really, really focusing on what exactly you're doing. You are literally using your mind as a tool to influence your body and you're using your body as a way to influence the mind. So it's kind of in tandem. To an extent, yes, we do have to be strong in regards to going through different experiences in our life and finding that peace and working through whatever we need to work through. There's struggle and pain in life. There's uncomfortable emotions and there are things including war and disease and unimaginable catastrophe, harm and evil. And life is not always sunshine and rainbows. You know, I think it's really important to have an enlightened understanding of the best path and have the healthiest approach to things. You know, when it comes to my yoga practice or anything in life, really, it's not about attaining a certain level of perfection. It's really doing what you can to the best of your ability when you are able. When it comes to toxic positivity, we're looking at something that might be a little bit deeper that's being brushed over. And oftentimes people don't feel validated in their inner struggle. They don't feel heard or acknowledged and they might compare what they're going through to what someone else is going through. They feel like they might have more or less than another person and maybe they don't even have a right to feel negative because they should just be hashtag grateful and hashtag blessed all the time. But the fact of the matter is it's important to really feel the emotions that you're going through and not bottle that up, not cover it up and not fake a certain image 
image that is not actually authentic because it can be really damaging to you in the long term and cause you to compartmentalize, minimize, avoid a lot of emotions that really can be dealt with if you have the tools to do so. You know, toxic positivity can feed people into this way of thinking that if they were just a little more positive or saw the bright side, that that would be the answer. But this is not always the destination which provides the appropriate healing and relief. So what are the issues with toxic positivities? You know, as humans, we have ups and downs and unique ways of coping with things and not to mention a lot of people deal with different mental health disorders to varying degrees when it comes to depression and anxiety. And this has become a really, really prominent thing in people's daily lives. And it's affecting ages younger and younger than it really used to for a variety of reasons. You know, and it can make living life like a Pollyanna pretty impossible. Honestly, avoiding a lot of these emotions can come across as really fake, negligent, and immature, which are things that people can work on to increase their awareness about their way of dealing with things and coping with things and being supportive to other people. When a type of toxic positivity veil is added over a situation, you essentially end up unconsciously blaming people for the struggles that are completely out of their control and it's unrealistic. It's really almost cruel to influence someone into the state and believe it's true. Personally, when I've been through these types of situations in my life, I've allowed myself to absorb a lot of the emotions and distress from certain situations and work through them and push myself to figure out what it was going to take to to go on and to move forward and how to deal. And thankfully, I have a very creative outlet through working as a professional choreographer and I'm gifted in processing things in such a way and thankfully have an outlet for it. So it actually works to my benefit. I'm able to present that emotional experience and artistry through dancers and music and evoke a response in the audience, which theater sometimes allows people to feel emotions in a safe space that is almost like a fantasy away from the rest of the real world. I'm not suggesting everybody ditch positivity in favor of being negative or cynical all the time because research doesn't even really support that this is even healthy anyway. Focusing on the negative is bound to produce similar, if not worse, results as the toxic positivity we're inundated with now. However, we can come to terms with the fact that life is often equal parts, yin and yang, positive and negative. You know, if we stop being afraid of doing anything rather than presenting our best and only our best, and oftentimes, let's be real, fake selves then we can normalize the negativity along with positivity rather than stigmatize it and cause other people around us that maybe are dealing with different challenges than we face feel stigmatized or weird or like they're isolated in their experience. So speaking of social media, social networks need to make room for people to expand their identities, not just in their interests or location knowledge. You know, it is considered the first mass medium to allow people to publicly share their thoughts, feelings, and lives with other people, you know, in the course of human evolution in this way. And, you know, it really has become dangerously inauthentic from cries of fake news to the rise of bots, bogus followers from other trolls. It's hard to know whom or what you can trust. Recently, there was a tool created called IG Audit by Authentique, and it's a new platform which basically computes the amount of real followers some influencers have, but it can be run on any public account. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how many fake accounts are going on potentially and 
what's really real and what's not. When we look at social media, there really are three types of relationships that you can clearly see being expressed online. There's a concept of having, which is deriving monetary pleasure by collecting or acquiring amusements and objects. There's also doing, which is a hoping for a return by doing something such as personal gain, advancement, and this is the measure of effectiveness in this case is usefulness. There's also becoming one person immersing himself in a shared experience with another person, maybe a collaboration of sorts. The assignment of worth is not relevant and there's no calculable positive or negative. So much of this is filtered and even what's meant to come across as vulnerable and real still can come across the slightest bit performed and acted. Personally, I'm always wary of and, you know, dare I say mistrusting of anyone who projects a constant air of positivity. It comes across as being really out of touch with the average person and it just isn't realistic. You know, I like to see people's whatever if they're like not wearing makeup or like funny little things that are going on where it's just real daily life. I don't know the other day I found like a carrot that had like a little lightning bolt on it and it's like a Harry Potter carrot you know what I mean like I like to see things like that instead of people like you know little uniquenesses like this instead of or I don't know there are some people that have come across too that like to post like makeupless selfies or something that their dog did or they talk about you know their kids having real responsibilities and not being perfect all the time and you know, having ups and downs and struggles rather than, oh, my kid is, you know, just amazing in every single way. It's like, yes, it's wonderful to believe that your child is amazing and affirm that I'm all, you know, for that. However, I feel like it's important to also keep children humble and knowing that they have room to grow and always room to improve and that we can all do that for each other and, and um, ourselves really to always remain humble in that respect. As great as it is to look on the bright side, it's also really important to not just pretend everything is okay all the time and just to stop lying to ourselves and be real with situations. You know, everybody who uses social media must embrace that life has ironies and zigzags, contradictions, and incompleteness. I feel like it's really important to dare to be expansive and open your narrative up to reveal your true self and not just a face simile thereof. I really wanted to take time to also think about how this is influencing the next generation because for social media, there's so many, you know, so many of the users are getting younger and younger. Some are not even teenagers. Some kids are like eight or nine years old using these platforms and that absolutely affects cognitive evolution and the influence on how it affects the brain. I mean, we know that social media is engineered to have different pleasure receptors light up when it's being used. And it's I've done episodes regarding social media and mental health, so that's available if you want to listen. I really wanted to dive into how this might be affecting the next generation. We're really looking at kids that are doing most of their communication while looking at a screen, not really necessarily another person. And this can be seen as unique or compared to prior generations. It puts people using social media in a nonverbal disabled context where body language, facial expression, and even the smallest kinds of vocal reactions are rendered invisible or heavily altered and scripted. 
You know, a survey conducted by the Royal Society for Public Health concluded that 14 to 24-year-olds in the UK shared that Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all led to increased feelings of depression, anxiety, or poor body image, and even loneliness. Yes, people acquire a lot of friends, quote-unquote, on social media, but friendship really requires a certain amount of risk-taking, especially when it comes to true constructive conflict resolution as it takes courage in our ability to be honest about our feelings and then hear what another person has to say. Knowing how to say what you think and feel, even when you're in a disagreement with other people, is something that can feel emotionally risky and is a part of developing healthy self-esteem. You know, in my profession, I have to give constructive criticism all the time in order for my performers to grow and for them to change. And I've received a lot of it as I've grown up. And I think it's an important thing to see constructive criticism in a positive light, because even though it can be a little bit intimidating to change, you have to understand and hopefully where it's coming from is somebody who is seeing that you are capable of doing a better job and you're capable of growing in a positive direction and that's meant to help facilitate that. Now, when kids are scrolling through their feeds and seeing how great everybody else's lives seem, you know, it only adds to the pressure. Kids and adults alike can spend hours pruning their online identities, sorting through sometimes hundreds of photos and selfies, agonizing over which one to post online, photoshopping things, facetuning things, and all types of other apps that I may not even know about. It's all coming down to trying to project this idealized image. It goes back to that not seeing any imperfections, not addressing any of the real life circumstances. You know, it comes into this like, I only want to show the best parts of myself and not and hide all of the negativity, hide anything that I might be feeling and might even be using this platform as a way to hide a lot of that and just show the positive and not have to deal with whatever I'm actually dealing with because then I'll get a bunch of compliments and all this type of thing. It's really important to be aware of when you're doing that and knowing that you might need to take some time for introspection rather than just going after a bunch of attention from other people in order to feel validated. Validate yourself. (laughs) Definitely take time to do that. And that might be easier said than done also, but I think it's important to work on doing that and affirming yourself from within and knowing that it's okay to be going through whatever you're going through. When it comes to trying to project this idealized image, girls are said to be socialized to compare themselves a lot more to other people, and girls in particular develop their identities in this way, so it makes them come across a little bit more vulnerable to the downside of all of this. You know, going back to a recent episode that I did on Envy, which is also available if you want to listen to it, I talk about how it's so harmful to compare yourself to somebody else because they have completely different, unique gifts, talents, and abilities than you. And it's far more important to acknowledge the beauty that has come into their life and the amazing things that are going on in their life and realize that. When you work what you have to the best of your ability, open your mindset that you can have a different experience. Boys can also compete for attention by trying to outgross one another, pushing the envelope as much as they can in the already disinhibited atmosphere online. But what happens when the kid next door is photoshopped too? It's not just the Vogue images or magazine, GQ, whatever. Things of this nature can be even more confusing. What about when you're 
online profile doesn't even really represent the person that you feel like you are on the inside. You know, kids can gang up on each other and put each other down. And there's been a lot of noting of online bullying and some kids even resorting to homeschool because of these types of things regarding social media. You know, most people just want to feel heard and accepted for who they are, yet there's a highly structured platform which is somewhat manipulating this interaction more so than would be happening in face-to-face interaction. And the more identities you have, the more you have to spend time pretending to be someone you aren't. And that makes it a lot harder to feel good about yourself in the long term. You know, everybody needs a break from these demands of intimacy and connection, time alone to regroup, replenish, just chill out. And this can cause people to feel really emotionally depleted because a lot of people feel like, oh, if I don't have somebody, if I don't respond to someone's text or DM right away, they're going to think I'm ignoring them. And a lot of teens have even spoken about staying up until late hours of the night just to um, make sure that no message gets unseen or whatever. And this almost relates to adults in the same way. You know, they want to do the best they possibly can at their job and take care of every single detail and respond to every single email and not let any deficiencies show up in that way. And as honorable as that is, there are a lot of other aspects of our well-being that have to be taken care of at the same time. Now, why am I mentioning this? It's really just to emphasize that more now than ever, there is a false sense of connectedness and reality, yet it's what most people seek and seldom find. And this is really contributing to people feeling more alone than ever, yet we live in such an age of connection and wanting to share these positive moments in our life, wanting to share all this great stuff that's happening, yet a lot of people are going into a state of comparison and really comparing themselves to people's lives that are completely unrealistic to their own nonetheless. And we all just want to be heard and understood. When people are going through a difficult time, they want to be understood. When people are celebrating different things in their life, they also want to feel heard and understood. And it's important to be able to share those parts of our life, of course, and have positive people around you that are strong enough to be happy for you. I know that's something that I didn't always experience growing up, like when I would have a win or I would have something great happen, which when you're in a competitive environment, that's not always the case. I mean, I was lucky that I had success in what I did and worked really hard and things, but you're not going to come away from every single competition winning first place because there's a ton of other people there and you have to be able to take an L and bounce back from it. When you do have a success, it's really important to have people there that will cheer you on and celebrate that with you. So, Having people in your life that are emotionally aware and they they know all parts of you. I think when you share the different parts of the struggles that you've been through and people know that you haven't had the most perfect past and things aren't perfect all the time, I think people will really want to root for you more and be like, wow, that's so awesome that you had this success. Like, I want to really honor that and, and cherish that for you because it's not something that happens all the time for everybody. So I think there are a lot of benefits to sharing sometimes what might seem negative in our lives, not in a way to garner some type of fake sympathy and get attention for things. Really just share, yeah, like, you know what, I went through these difficult times or I'm going through this right now and I'm doing my best to get through it. And then when you do get through it and you're able to share that, you can have people that are actually celebrating that from a really authentic place rather than being like, okay, like whatever. It's not that big of a deal because everything in your life is perfect anyways. (laughs) 
Hopefully that makes sense. So what are the negatives to pushing away negative emotions? And uh, what can we accept about negative emotions? You know, self-expansion is one of the most ultimate truths. It's like people want to know what am I here to do? What is my purpose? All these types of things. Like that's one of the most basic human questions. Why am I here? Part of that means working through and sorting through some of the not so pretty stuff. It's perfectly normal to feel sad angry, frustrated, and hopeless when it comes to hardships. Sometimes you feel like you're going down a path that you're like, no, this is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then, you know, some asteroid can strike out of nowhere and you're just like completely thrown off course. Don't necessarily push negative feelings away even when these types of things happen. It's important to be aware of them because avoiding hurtful emotions works in kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like a twisting up a jack-in-the-box You keep twisting it, twisting it every time you're just grinding that gear and then eventually those emotions are just going to blow up in your face. And, you know, I find that not only research supports this, but learning to lean into your negative emotions and, and states of mind is far better than pretending everything's okay because then you can actually increase your emotional regulation bandwidth rather than being like oh no I can't deal with that I'm sorry I can't deal with those problems or I can't you know you know it's almost like being in a work situation it's like things are not going to go perfect all the time (laughs) you know that's why there's all types of different departments and people to help out with different things and not every one person can do every single job so it's important to work together with other people and learn from other people how to handle things the best and deal with conflict resolution, deal with problem solving, because we will face these things in different ways in our life and they will show up in in different ways. And it's important to be able to rise to the occasion to deal with it rather than just set it aside for another time so it can blow up in your face. (laughs) And one of the things that I feel like I've really enjoyed when it comes to thinking about things differently is addressing cognitive distortions because let's face it the mind can lie to you play tricks on you tell you all sorts of things but there are exercises you know i think meditation definitely has its place but meditation's not going to like rewire your brain when it comes to these types of thoughts and sometimes triggers and emotions that can consistently come up and um, provide a different level of stress to you if you know what the root of it is if there is a particular experience or place or food or person or anything that can cause different things to come up for you it's important to get to the root of that and rewire it rewire your relationship to different things you know address compulsive behaviors that you may have that can be weeded out and just get to the bottom of it you know i think cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy are really really helpful with this and there are a bunch of other things that might help too but i think if you're into different things like journaling exercises or even talk therapy gaining awareness in that type of therapy can be really really useful for example you might take things too personally immediately and expect the worst case scenario when something doesn't go as planned or someone cancels on you and all of a sudden you feel a need to seek out some type of comfort maybe you go to different compulsive behaviors or self-harm or self um sabotage type behaviors in those situations and you know we all make these cognitive errors and distortions from time to time but they can be Uh, addressed and rewired when you work these different tools in your life and these can unfortunately really really be far more persistent when you're depressed anxious stressed and sick and if that's the case 
it's really important to, on a more consistent basis, challenge your thoughts. So in those times of intense stress, you're able to go to them rather than letting it hit you and kind of like drowning and recovering from that. Now, in the personal realm, it's important to address a lot of these things, but oftentimes if you have friendships or people that are close to you in your life, we discuss problems. We discuss, you know, things in our intimate relationships that we might not discuss with everybody. And those are sometimes like the worst things that we go through in our life or like, you know, when someone, when you're able to share that with someone or someone shares that with you, some of that is like the best stuff because those are the things that maybe are not always shared. You know, if you're not the type of person that wants to put it all out there, you know, it is important to at least have somebody to talk to it with about it. And, you know, recently I think I was talking with a friend of mine who had a person that they were dating really open up to her about past traumas that he had been through in his life. And he was scared that she was going to be offended that he was talking about that or felt insecure that she was going to see him as weak. And I was like, wow, like if I was in that situation, I would really be affirming that person that no, like you're really strong for going through the things that you're going through. And I feel really honored that you would share that type of information with me because it is so personal. Know that you're really strong for going through that on your own. And I want to be able to help you through that in whatever way that I can, you know, like you don't have to carry that burden by yourself. And you're actually, even though you may feel really weak for having these emotions and going through that, you're actually really strong for having dealt with it the best way you possibly can. And when we have other people in our life that come to us with these issues, yeah, we can't solve it in the snap of a finger, which, you know, toxic positivity can come across as, oh, just let it go, you know, put on a smile, be grateful. <laughs> you know, These are all wonderful things to do, 100%, like great things to do. But it's also important to allow yourself to feel this range of emotions that you're dealing with. When we are supporting someone who's hurting, we need to leave room for positivity to grow rather than to just show up right away. And you don't yell at a flower and tell them to just tell a flower to just grow. You water it. You allow it to gain sunshine. You provide different nutrients in the soil, this type of things, and you let it ripen until it's nice and juicy. So, you know, in this case, when you water the situation, you do it with listening, you do it with validation, unconditional support, comfort, acknowledgement, engagement, compassion, connection, all these types of things are really, really important. And these things take a lot more time and energy than just offering some quick and simple fix. Are we all licensed therapists? For sure we're not. Licensed therapists have their place. And sometimes it's even the most compassionate thing you can do is to tell somebody, I've helped you to the best of my ability. And I think maybe seeking professional help would be something that's so beneficial for you. And I really honor you to do that. And I want to be here to support you getting that help that you need if that's scary for them. You know, it's important to acknowledge that it's okay to experience negative emotions. And with support, we can find help from people who we can help people who are stuck in negativity find their way out. But simply telling them to be positive really doesn't cut it. It feels like really great actually to be able to cry with somebody and have that compassion with another person. It's an important thing to be able to express that range of emotions and feel that range of being able to be supportive to another person. Positivity is absolutely a really important place to get to and it's been linked to lower levels of stress, stronger immunity, better cardiovascular health, increased feelings of physical and emotional well-being, and even a longer lifespan. 
Cultivating positive feelings like joy, hope, and inspiration also builds good mental habits such as attention, resilience, and optimism, which in turn buffer the potential negative effects of stressful times. But where does resilience come from? In order to work resilience, you have to go through tough times. You don't just become resilient for like no reason. You have to go through adversity in order to become resilient. And a lot of positive experiences can come from really bad times. That is definitely true. And I've had plenty of guests come on the podcast you know, affirm that and speak to it. Some people's entire life purpose can come from going through really challenging things in their time. Really beautiful things can come out of difficult experiences. And if you have a well-meaning friend or parent who kind of brushes off your emotions, I feel like it's important to let them know to whatever, you know, extent you feel like it's appropriate. I feel like to a certain extent, some people are just where they're at. They don't feel motivation to change or evolve and that's fine. But if you can sense in the person that they might be able to approach the situation with you differently in a way that will help both of you, let them know you're going through a difficult time. Let them know how they're treating you and how it makes you feel. It can be really difficult to admit that we're dealing with feelings of depression or anxiety because we don't want to feel like that person or a lech or somebody who just can't get their stuff together and is relying on everybody else or something. And that's it's important to know that it's okay to receive help from other people and that you don't have to do everything by yourself. We're built for relationships and connections as human beings and we're meant to live in supportive communities to the best of our ability and to build our own community of people through friendships and even chosen family in order to experience those things. Not everybody has the bandwidth to be able to help another person because sometimes when they were going through a difficult time, they didn't have anybody do that for them. And they might even have a sense of like resentment towards being like, well, you know what? I didn't have that benefit. My mother didn't do that for me. So you just need to pull yourself up and, and get through it. I'm doing enough and you shouldn't expect anything more. You know, that's an unfortunate type of person to deal with. I've dealt with people close to me that are like this and you've got to keep on moving forward even when you're in those situations and just realize that's where that person's at, has nothing to do with me. I'm capable of getting whatever support that I need, finding it within inside of myself or finding it externally in other types of relationships other than this one and keep it moving. Nonetheless, I do feel like when you don't feel heard and understood by your family, friends, or people that are close to you, do your best to try to express your emotions in the most constructive way you can. And I can't say this enough, you know, it's really important to seek professional help if you need it. If you feel hopeless and helpless or deeply depressed or burnt out, like it is a sign of strength to be able to reach out to someone for help. It is not weak to do that at all. You know, working through therapy is some of the hardest work that people do in their life. And it is also some of the most rewarding work that people can do in their life. So, if you feel like that is something that you need, absolutely get whatever help that you need for yourself. There are people that devote their lives to helping people work through these types of things from a compassionate, empathetic place. It can lead to really, really positive results. When it comes to being supportive to someone who's going through a difficult time, one of my biggest pieces of advice and things that serve me really well is swallow your instinctive response to give advice or offer tips, unless your friend is specifically asking for it. But other things you can say instead are, I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. It's normal to feel overwhelmed and confused in your situation. We'll make sense of it another day. Today, let's just focus on taking the first step or helping you feel a little bit better. I know it's difficult, 
but you're doing a great job at handling this. What can I do to help? You know, life is all about balance. Positive and negatives are a part of that balance. And when we start accepting this both for ourselves and those around us, even knowing when we're on social media or we see people in public or at parties or social situations or whatever, it's like you may look at a person and see one thing, but you don't, there's no way to really know all the layers to that individual unless you're legit inside of their head. And as much as social media can feel like you are living vicariously through another person and their experiences, you're really not experiencing their life and where they've come from and everything that they've been through. So don't be so quick to judge somebody's life being so much better than yours or whatever from a first glance. Also, do your best in your friendships and relationships to really give full attention to whatever you're doing, to the relationships that you are fostering, to the friend that you're with. Put your phone down, focus, have a real conversation and let it get deep if you're capable of doing that to whatever extent that you are. Because that can be really, really rewarding when it comes to cultivating something positive with another person. Meditation can help with this because when you're in a meditative state, there's a bunch of different thoughts that are going to try to pop in your head. What are you going to make for dinner? What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do next month? Whatever it is. (laughs) What someone said to you earlier in the day, whatever. All these types of thoughts will try to creep their way in. And part of practicing meditation is just picking a point of focus. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's an affirmation. Maybe it's a physical point of focus that you're finding a drishti to focus your visual attention on and just focus on your breathing. When you're able to not act on every single impulse, every single thought, every single idea that comes up in your head, that's super important to have that level of awareness and influence over your actions and emotions. Practicing this type of thing can really help you feel good about what you can do instead of look back and have regrets about things. You know, when you learn to feel good about what you can do instead of how you look or what you own, you're happier and you're better prepared for success in real life. Then you can affirm this in others too and you know you don't even have to wait until you have your life together or a certain level of success in order to do that. You can do it now. Confidence is not confidence and self-esteem are not about succeeding at everything all the time. They're about being resilient and going through enough experience to keep trying and not be distressed if you're not the best. Confident people don't always fear failure or allow that to get in the way not because they They're sure they will never fail, but because they know how to take setbacks in stride and keep going. So it's important to encourage people to try new things. You know, attaining new skills also can help people kind of understand that things are not going to be easy. They're not going to be happy or even positive all the time. You know, when I began doing a women's rowing team, my first practice was really, really um, struggling, especially because I have a pre-existing shoulder injury, and it was really painful, and my technique was weird, and like I just had to figure all this stuff out. And I even cried after my first practice, not only because I was so frustrated with myself, but because I was in a lot of physical pain too. Luckily, one of the ladies was a masseuse on the team, so we were able to work that kink out to the best of our ability. But it took some time for me. You know, I got myself together and came back to the practice the next week, and was able to work on my form and I was like, no, I can do this. I can try this new skill. And even though the first time wasn't the easiest, I'm going to keep pushing and 
you know, it's really amazing to have that new experience and really be able to grow from the things that I went through and be building a new skill that's helping not only affirm my self-confidence, but allowing me to practice being positive about a situation that I didn't feel the best about initially. You know, no one wants to feed negativity. Sunshine, rainbows, butterflies, unicorns, etc. This isn't reality. Yes, they do exist in reality, and sometimes even living in San Diego, life can feel like you're in heaven sometimes, but reality has its moments when it hits in. It is absolutely beautiful to be alive, and there's so much beauty in the world, but there's also a lot of violence and pain and suffering, and everybody's experience of this will be completely unique, and it's important to be compassionate about that. You know, everyone is different. Generalizations about how to get through things don't always work, and part of being a human is feeling. It is a lot more difficult to work through obstacles alone. So if you are able to reach out for help and share the grief that you're dealing with, be there for somebody else when they're going through periods of grief. It's important to be able to practice that and and to be able to do it. Just thinking positively isn't that simple. Saying happiness is a choice can be a very toxic statement and absolutely happiness is a choice. However, when people are going through difficult things, Don't let that be the first solution that you reach for in offering. It is less of a choice for some that are dealing with really, really deep depression or really intense lived experience with mental illness or extreme anxiety or what have you. It's not always that simple. Gratitude and positivity are absolutely a choice to choose. However, it is also a choice to not deal with emotions and let them snowball into another issue that you will have to face down the line. So it is a really important choice to make to deal with them, to be able to find the healthiest ways of coping with them, to increase your emotional bandwidth and your ability to regulate your emotions, not only for yourself, but so you can be supportive to other people. No one's life is 100% positive all the time. No one's life is 100% their Instagram feed or their Twitter posts or whatever. You know, don't let anyone fool you when it comes to that type of stuff. You know, coming from the performing arts industry, I know that there's always stuff going on behind the scenes that nobody sees. It's not always the stage moments. <laughs> there is so much that goes on beyond whatever you see. And that's true for the lives that we put out there. And it's true for everybody else who's putting their life out there, too. So maybe you don't need to know every single detail. Maybe people are only going to share with you what they want to share. But just know it's important to not allow that envy to snowball into a place of feeling negatively about yourself or comparing your life to another person because you don't really know what's going on. And the best thing we can do is be happy for other people's success. Celebrate the good times in people's lives because we don't always know what's going on. Just don't let it get to you to the point where you're comparing and if your life doesn't look as good as theirs, then you're being hard on yourself. But celebrate the good things in others' lives with the understanding that they are experiencing other issues that they might not even be discussing as well that can keep things a little humble for you. Now, if a positive mindset brings you further in life, I'm really, really happy for you. Just keep in mind, don't erase the voice of those who don't always follow this path and do your best to be supportive of people that are going through a difficult time. And don't don't ignore that voice, especially if that voice is your own. Thank you for tuning in to Vibrant Raw Living. Remember that you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving and maintaining your dreams as much as anyone else. 
If you have found this podcast useful, please subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud and share it with your friends and family. You can find links to my Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, and Snapchat in the show notes below. And if you'd like to follow me for updates, which I only share via email, come on over to my website at victoriamadian.com. I love you and I'm wishing you a wonderful day. Go out there and discover your infinite potential.